0: Time for today's Bible talk. And we asked the question Would Jesus approve of patriotism in church? That's today's Bible talk topic. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. What would Jesus have said? And, it, you know, it's amazing to me. And I grew up in an evangelical church, I grew up in a household that I always half jokingly say believed Ronald Reagan and God were neck and neck as the greatest beings that existed in the universe with God falling slightly behind Ronald Reagan in uh, the eyes of my parents. And uh, we believed right-wing Christianity that Christianity should take over America, that America was born as a Christian nation. And so we would sing patriotic songs in church without a dry eye in the house. And it would look a little bit something like this. You see the kids are carrying the flags into the church with the the somber Christian music playing in the background. And we're carrying the Bible in behind the flags and in front of the flag that is walking beside the Christian flag, the onward Christian soldiers flag. And we just see this sweet ceremony that that they're having, and it would lead to, of course, then them doing this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. That's right. They're pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America in a church service. Now, am I opposed to the Pledge of Allegiance? No, but do we do this in church as a worship act of a Christian church? and And of course, I just have to play this because I just find it I just find it humorous um, that uh, you know, what we see as Christianity in the church. This is a church singing, of course, that famous Lee Greenwood worship song. I'm proud to be an American. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free, and I won't forget the man who died who gave Did You see me take my worship posture there. Isn't it a heart-wrenching tune? And, and well done by those guys. Well sung. And I know they're trying hard out of the sincerity of their heart to be good Christians. But would Jesus, were he incarnate today, say, yes, that's what you should be doing in a church service, pledging allegiance to a country and an empire? Would jesus approve and that's the question i think I, I don't think churches ever ask this question we just say hey of course we're an american church so around veterans day and memorial day and around the fourth of july we pledge allegiance to our country we pledge fealty to our country and we never stop to think like would jesus approve of this does the bible say anything about this is it okay to be patriotic And the deeper question is, is it godly or biblical to use patriotism as a worship of heaven? And I think the Bible says something very specifically and very, very much different than this. And let's start with a story in Luke chapter 20 on YouTube. I can share the passage on here, I think. Uh, And if you're on TikTok, you'll just have to hear me read it and, uh, and trust that I'm reading it. Appropriately. And so we see this in this argument that the religious leaders of Jesus' day brought to Jesus about taxes. And it says the scribes and and the chief priests sought to lay hands on Jesus at every turn. And so they were watching him. And so we see this in Luke chapter 20, verse 21. It says, So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality. So flattery, they start with flattery, like we'll flatter him and he'll never know that we're flattering him, but truly the way of God. And so they ask this question, is it lawful, verse 22, for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? So they're asking him, one of the... Cultural religious arguments of the day. This was the are you pro life or a baby murderer questions? They were trying to marginalize Jesus into this corner of what we would say today in our churches are you pro life or a baby murderer? You know, it's not there's not a discussion here. There, people are trying to corner you without nuance of a discussion, and so they're saying. Should we give taxes to Caesar or be a good Jew is really the question they're asking. And it's, so here's how Jesus responded to that. In Luke 20, 23, it says, he, Jesus, perceived their craftiness and said to them, show me a denarius whose likeness uh, and inscription does it have? And they say Caesar's, which is Caesar was the leader of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had conquered Palestine, which included Israel. And they were a despotic government that had overthrown Israel's government and put themselves in charge. Now, there was a king of Israel, King Herod, but he was pretty much hated by the traditional conservative religious people of of the day. And and he he had fealty to Rome. And so they hated Caesar and saw Caesar... As an imposition upon them and a detriment to their carrying forward their religious story to the rest of the world. So in verse 24, it says, they said, Caesars. And Jesus said to them, then render to Caesar the things which are Caesars and to God, the things that are God's. And it says they were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said, but marveling at his answer, they became silent. So we see here a passage that I believe we can use to say, no, Jesus would not have entered into this idea of patriotism and this idea of the Christian church being called to take power over the United States. In fact, Jesus was not a, a, a member of any group that said we should take over the empire. We should, in essence, as the religious leaders around him thought, make Israel great again. He was a subversive who said, the Roman empire is going to fall. That's just a given. What we need to do is clean up our house. And so he wasn't critical of the Romans. He wasn't critical of the Samaritans who followed a different religion. He was critical of his own people saying, you believe God's plan is only existent on earth if Israel is made great again, if Israel is the economic and military power of the world, and you believe that's only going to happen if our religion is in charge and our race is in charge of the country, but you're wrong because you don't understand what heaven is, what the spirit of heaven is and what that relationship is to earth and why I'm calling you to advance the kingdom of heaven on earth, not to take over the kingdoms of earth. In fact, Jesus was offered that very thing by Satan in the story of Jesus in the desert. Satan said, worship me and I will give you charge of the kingdoms of the world. He offered him political and economic and military power. And Jesus said, no. To that Today, on the other hand, we see right-wing churches that are saying, yes, Satan, by any means necessary, even this horrible reality TV show host guy, this horrible governor in Florida or Texas, yes, they're evil, horrible people, but we need people with fluid morals who will help us take charge of the country as Christians so we can make America great again just as the religious leaders of Jesus did. The Sadducees were a group of of religious leaders who thought, we'll partner up with Herod. We think King Herod is a horrible guy. He's He's only a half Jew like us. He's a terrible guy, but in partnering with him, we'll be able to manage things to get Israel back under the control of our religion, and we make Israel great again. It is the exact parallel of the belief system of right-wing Christians today. And how do I know that was the belief of the religious leaders? Well, they said so. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But Jesus easily could have endorsed this right-wing belief system, this right-wing belief system that even today in our country we see celebrating the fact that they tried to overthrow our government on January 6th and overthrow a a, a legitimate election of our our democratic republic, thinking that is godly to want to do so. And if Jesus You know, if if the God of the Bible, as people believe in their inerrant scripture, if the God of the Bible had wanted to endorse that mindset, he could have done it easily because there were zealots running around trying to create chaos to overthrow the Roman government. Jesus could easily have said, zealots, keep doing what you're doing. Rome is evil, overthrow them. But not once do we see Jesus say that. In fact, he told Peter himself, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword put away the sword and pursue the kingdom of heaven. He said very much the opposite of this right-wing belief today. Roman law, he could have stood against any Roman law that pressed against Jesus' religious beliefs, yet not once did he say, here's a concept of God's honest, true religion, let's go get that input through the civil law of our country. If you take over the country and put these codes into civil law, the country will be great again, and God's plan will be existent on earth. Never once did Jesus hint that was the way of changing the world. And 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 Jesus very easily could have followed the patriotic religion of his people. And we see this idea of a patriotic race-based religion that Jesus w- discouraged us from following in uh, the story in John 11, just after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And now the religious leaders are like, man, a lot of people are following this guy. He is really causing us trouble. We need to do something. And so we see their discussion of that here in Luke, or excuse me, in John chapter 11. And it says, that they, that they gathered in the council and said, what are we to do for this man performs many miracles? And this verse in John 11, 48 really intrigues me. They say, if we let him, Jesus, go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. What they're saying here is if we let jesus continue to do his subversive acts what's going to happen is rome is going to get upset like they've done before they're going to squash it as a rebellion and you know what they're going to do they're going to take away our place or in other translations it says take away our temple they're going to stop us from practicing our religion they were screaming oppression just as american christians are screaming oppression today and by the way american christians if you are oppressed Which you're not. But if you are oppressed today, you are the most wealthy and politically powerful oppressed group of people in the history of the world. You have immense power and immense wealth and immense control of the empire of the United States. To be an oppressed people, you sure don't look like oppressed people at any other time in history. And so the religious leaders were saying, if Jesus keeps doing what he's doing, we're going to lose our place and lose our country. Rome is going to knock us down and we're not going to be able to continue to be able to put ourselves in charge of the country. And their belief was, and then God's plan will not exist on earth. You can help support the work that I do here by going to my website, pastor-paul.com. And for as little as $5.99 a month, you get to be involved in some cool stuff and help me continue to do in providing free content like this from Bible talk. We have coming up uh, what we call an unconventional conversations, and we can be in a zoom room together. And we're going to start to discuss the nine major questions of deconstructing your faith. And uh, what we're going to talk about is rethinking God, you know, what is the Trinity and what does the Trinity mean to me? If you want to find out more about that, go to my website, pastor-paul.com, and we'll have information coming up. If you sign up for my community chat board or our newsletter, you'll find out uh, information through that. Um, Daniel's asking a great question about how do I go through my deconstruction without burning bridges of relationship? Daniel, I would love it if you would go to my website, pastor-paul.com and sign up. You can sign up for free uh, if you like, or you can give a small uh, bit of monthly help on there and sign up for my community chat room and ask that question on uh, the Pastor Paul Q&A page. And I love to answer questions on there and get get input from other people. Again, pastor-paul.com is the website. And if you like, it won't put you in a financial bind. You can help support us on there for as little as $5 and 99 cents a month. Some people go all the way to a hundred dollars a month and they get a monthly one-on-one with me. So whatever you can do will be great help because I want to keep providing as much free content as I can in this season where it's so difficult. So if I could get 300 people who would pledge $5 and 99 cents a month, that would really help give me a good base to survive. So I would appreciate it if you cannot, if you can't afford it, I'm proud to do this for You just as being a part of community together. God is not mad at you. I promise you that. Don't listen to those evil evangelicals, they're wrong. God is not mad at you for being who you are. In fact, the Spirit of Heaven says you are one of the most amazing things in all of the universe. And once we start to know that, we can love our neighbors and our enemies as ourselves. So I give that to you today. Bless you all, pastor-paul.com. Hope to see you all over there very, very soon. Let me go on and continue reading from there because this is ultimately what they say. But one of them who was high priest that year said to them, you know nothing at all. Do you under nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish? So you see what happens is this intertwined politically religious belief ultimately causes a moral fluidity in these re- religious leaders to be able to say, it is up to us to execute this man in order for us to be able to protect our religion, and our country. It is the exact parallel of right-wing American evangelical belief and right-wing American Christian beliefs today. And Jesus stood for quite the opposite. Would Jesus be a patriotic Christian today when Christianity is screaming, make America great again by making America Christian again? No, we see that it was the people, the religious leaders that Jesus stood against who said, God wants to make Israel great again through our religious beliefs. And Jesus said, that's not the kingdom we're pursuing. And in fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says the people of great faith in the history of the Bible were the ones who were looking for a kingdom for a city whose builder was God and whose layer of its foundation was the spirit of heaven. We're not called in the Bible to be looking to take over a country and make it Christian. We're called to pursue the kingdom of heaven whose law is love your neighbor as yourself and whose never-ending command is to care for the poor, the foreigner, the marginalized, and the widow. And let me tell you who that is, the poor is, is very simple those that are in prison not closed naked uh not fed those are the ones that jesus said if you don't take care of them you don't inherit the kingdom of heaven the foreigner is very simple those were people who were not of their nationality uh that that lived inside their borders the foreigner is very important in the command of god the, the outcast. That's the marginalized. That's the LGBTQ plus community. That's that's the Muslim. That's those that have been historically marginalized. That's indigenous people, BIPOC people, the people who have been marginalized. We are commanded again and again and again and again and again and again, and again in the Bible to care for those people. And never are we commanded to be single issue voters around abortion and put terrible people into office like Donald Trump for that that good end. And the widow then is the idea of someone who has been historically economically disadvantaged, that the system, the widow had no way to provide a living for herself because she had no rights as a citizen in the country. So those who are historically economically disadvantaged, and that would today would be the people from our BIPOC communities, from our marginalized neighborhoods, we are commanded to take care of those things. And right-wing Christianity is the opposite of that. And the celebration of that right-wing Christianity in church, I believe, is an anti-Christian. It is an anti-Christ practice. Ephesians 6.12 says it this way, this, this is the Apostle Paul, who was a proud, openly confessing Roman citizen. He said, hey, guys, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not against human and human governments, but against the ruler, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That is written in Paul's cultural terminology. I believe if that passage were written today, he would say, we're not fighting against liberals, uh, and, and all this other stuff. We're not fighting to take over the government. We're fighting against mindsets that stand against true belief in God. Would Jesus say yes to, hey, we need to be right-wing Christians and vote Republican in church? No, he would believe exactly the opposite of that. I remember, uh, you know, back in the 90s, you remember Carmen, Uh, The singer, Carmen, Carmen really went off the cliff as a right winger late in his life. Um, He had a song in the 90s. The only hope for America is Jesus. The only hope for our country is him. Remember that song? Uh, And he talked about how in, in the 50s, trouble in the classroom was chewing gum. But today it's guns in the lockers. And of course, in that statement, right-wing Christianity forgets the command to take care of the poor, the foreigner, the marginalized, and the widow. Uh, It forgets that in the 50s, back when America was great and Christian, those young children were going to school, having been beaten and abused by their parents, having watched their mother be treated horrifically by their husbands, and, uh, and people saying, that's their business, leave it in their house. They would watch their dad force black women to get up from their seats on the bus and let them sit and not be allowed uh, and be Uh, angry as they watched one of the, one of those black athletes play sports out there. They would be disgusted by a black person having a desire to drink from the same water fountain or sit at the same food counter as them. That's when America was great. That's the America we're supposed to be striving to make great again. Would Jesus have saluted that flag and pledged allegiance to it in our church? Hell to the no. You can't show me a single passage that says that is who Jesus commands us to be. Jesus was a subversive. He was against the empire of Rome through his stance of protecting the marginalized of it. You, the, he, he said, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die because maybe he knew it prophetically, but he also knew that once you started building a following in that country, Rome would execute you. And he knew that it was coming. He knew it was coming because he was a subversive in the community. He was a subversive that didn't stand with uh, his religious belief system. Listen, everybody, I love America. I think there are so many things that are amazing about America, about times that we, we really could have been a despotic empire over the entire world and we chose to not. But we can't use that as an excuse to close our eyes to some of the terrible things of our history of wiping out indigenous people and claiming it as manifest destiny of, of enslaving and bombing and destroying Middle Eastern countries because low gas prices mean so much to us. So we're willing to wipe out people groups and radicalize Muslim groups because we need cheap oil and cheap gas and our economy. to be. Would Jesus salute this? Hell no, he would be saying, yes, love America, but demand that it get better, demand that it not stand as this evil empire against the poor, the foreigner, the marginalized, and the widow. Isaiah 9 says, unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. We quote this at at Christmas, never once realizing that this passage says, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, Not, not taking over the government of the world, but the government of people will rest upon his shoulders and to the increase of that government and of peace, there will be no end. There is no chance that Jesus said, let's take over the government and impose our religious beliefs. He said, if we advance the kingdom of heaven, which is a kingdom of loving your neighbor as yourself and letting that love go to your enemies and letting that love carry out the command to Care for the poor, the foreigner, the widow, and the marginalized, that then bad, evil empires will fall in front of you, just as Rome did in front of the Christian church. Jesus was a fucking radical. He was a subversive, and he would be so today. He would not be a right wing Christian in the slightest. And there's not a chance he would say, Yes, bring in that American flag, put it next to the Christian flag, and let's pledge fealty to a human kingdom, he would say, no, we are to be pursuing a kingdom that is higher than that. I don't say it's a sin to be a proud American. I am one. But as a proud American, I say, we have to be better as a country than we are right now. And as a proud follower of Jesus churches, you don't pledge fealty to an empire that is imposing voter restrictions on people. That is saying to, to pregnant women, we don't give a shit about you. Even if you're a 10 year old rape victim, you're going to be forced to have that baby. And then once that umbilical cord is cut, our responsibility to that baby is gone. You don't do that and claim to be a follower of Jesus. Many Christians I know think they're oppressed martyrs because they don't get good service at a restaurant on Sunday after church. Totally missing that the great martyrs of history weren't people of comfort, weren't people seeking government power. They stood against empires that enslaved people and said, we will serve those people. And because we're doing that, you will hate us and you will kill us. I felt this in an interaction with the spirit of heaven once. And I was asking that spirit, like, why am I not an anti-abortion extremist like so many people around me? And I just felt like Jesus was saying, hey, you don't change the world by overturning law. You change the world by serving and being willing to die yourself for it Capernaum was a very religious very prosperous very powerful city they felt very self-righteous in who they were surely God loves us look at how amazing our city is and Jesus said hey Capernaum you think you're amazing you think you're gonna be lifted up to the heavens let me tell you this Sodom will have a better judgment day than you the disciples were like, look at our religion. Look at this temple. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it one of the greatest things you've ever seen? And Jesus said, you know what? Not a stone of that thing is going to stand on another. He said, when a religious people doesn't bear the fruit of heaven, it gets cut off at the roots and thrown in the fire. These are the things Jesus would be saying to the right-wing Christian church in America today, not bring that American flag in and pledge allegiance to it on every major American holiday. The command of Jeremiah 29, 7 is pray for the welfare of your city. And he was talking about an evil city of a pagan land. He said, pray for the welfare of that city for in its welfare, you'll have your welfare. He never said, take over that city, take over the government, and input my laws. Christians, you are not following Christ in your right wing Christianity. You are not following Christ in your single issue, abortion focused voting. You are to pray for the welfare and seek its welfare. What I say, I I should change that. It doesn't say pray for the welfare. It says seek the welfare. Seek is not a, hey, I'm just going to pray that it'll change. It is is an active duty to put the commands in practice to take care of the poor, the foreigner, the marginalized, and the, the economically disadvantaged. I'll finish with this. You may be saying today, oh, you're a false teacher, as some are doing in the comments because you've never heard a different message than the dogma of your right-wing church. You've never heard anybody say, Ronald Reagan and God are not close in significance in the history of the world. In fact, Ronald Reagan took us in a very bad direction and and evil men around him to where we are today as a country. And I know it's hard to hear. You're like, "This this is very different than what I hear from my pastor in the pulpit, who says, we are to be good Americans. The only hope for America is Jesus. Now, the only hope for America is us stepping out of this politically intertwined religion and saying, it's not okay to impose our right-wing beliefs onto people of color through marginalized communities like the LGBTQIA community, to hate foreigners as we do under the idea of borders, to hate the undocumented. Your heart is not with Christ, your heart is with self protection to justify war in places like iraq so that we can have cheap gas because cheap gas matters to us more than human life nothing of that looks like christ nor is christian And when you're struggling with this, let me point you to Romans 12 and specifically Romans 12, 2, that says, don't be conformed to the age that you're in. It doesn't say, don't be conformed to that world out there. That world's evil. No, it says, don't be conformed to the aeon of your belief system. Don't be conformed to your era is what it literally means. And it says, be transformed, be completely metamorphosized, be completely changed by the ongoing renewing of your mind. And that, that renewing is crafted in a way to say it's a never ending renewing of your mind. We shouldn't be stuck in make America great again. We should be saying, what is the spirit of heaven saying about our culture today? And how do we walk with it today? Don't be conformed to your bubble. Don't be conformed to your community narrative. Don't be conformed to your community mindset. Be transformed by the never-ending renewing of your mind. Why? It says, because then you will know what is good and right. Some translations say, then you will know the will of God for the season. Would Jesus say, yes, bring that American flag in and let's pledge fealty to it? Not a chance. Not a chance. I don't say you're a sinner for being patriotic and loving your country. I say you're a sinner if you pledge fealty to that country so that it can keep you safe at the cost of others, of the poor, the foreigner, the marginalized, and the economically disadvantaged. That is the command of the Bible over and over and over and over and over and over again. And if we ignore that that law, we are not godly, we're not following the spirit of heaven, and we're not following Christ. But the beautiful thing is we're seeing the darkness of those mindsets come out in this season. The blessing of Donald Trump is we're really getting to see the dark-hearted roots of our religious belief, the, the underlying racism, the demand to conform to our cultural norms when the Bible says don't conform to those norms and that, and we're demanding you become white like us. People will say to me, our church is very diverse. And I'm like, oh, so you have a really diverse cultural experience or you just invite people of color to come in and become like you. That's not diversity. That is a cultural pressure. If your church talks about traditional family, you are demanding that people conform to whiteness in our churches, because that's not a biblical command. That's a focus on the family command. So it's very important that we understand what's happening in the season. Our cultural norms, our political norms are being overturned. And those who have been following a politically intertwined religion, Jesus called it a leaven that infects, like leaven of bread that infects you just a little bit, then ultimately takes over. We're seeing that bring about a cultural overturn so we can really see something new come in this season. I love America, but I don't love where we are today. And I'm saying today, Jesus would not be in favor of that American flag marching into that church. Amen.